everybody. Welcome to another Arts Equator podcast. I'm here today with Naim Kapadia. He is a lawyer. He is a theatre writer. He used to write with me for the Flying Ink Pot. Now he has his own blog, Crystal Words. Naim, hello. Hello. Very nice to be here. Very nice to have you. Today we'll be talking about two recent musicals, which bizarrely and simultaneously are on the topic of cabaret. Yes, they are. Yeah, how often does that happen? We've got Wild Rice's second staging of La Cage aux Folles and unnamed theatre companies staging. Well, I've been looking at the website and nothing jumps out here, but unnamed theatre companies staging of the new Singapore musical Tropicana, written by Harris Sharma with Julian Wong as the composer and Joel Tan on the lyrics. So shall we start with the uh, Old Faithful there, Naeem? We saw both of us Wild Rice's original staging of La Cage aux Folles back in 2012. I think we both liked it. Tell me about this show for people who haven't seen it. Okay, let's let's try to do the the one paragraph recap. <laughs> so La Cage is is about a cabaret run by two gay men who have a son, and the son has just decided that he wants to marry the daughter of a politician, a local politician, and he wants his two dads to basically clean up their act and put on a respectable show for one night um, when the prospective in-laws come over to visit. So all hell breaks loose, but things work out in the end. They do. It's a really nice family story with lots of ostrich feathers thrown in. And it's famous for songs like I Am What I Am, I think that's the main one, isn't it? The the one that everybody knows. But there's some lovely other numbers in there as well. Now, when you saw this in 2012, uh, what were your impressions back then? Okay, um, we were just talking about this. And I think, you know, 2012 was about the time when you started seeing these really big scale Broadway style musicals done in Singapore to a very high standard, you know, something that would be probably comparable to the foreign imports we see at the Esplanade. Generally better than the foreign imports, generally on a level of what I see when I actually go to New York. Go to London or New York, yeah. So so that was, um, you know, Wild Rise was very much, you know, one of the, the first big ones in 2012. And I was very impressed, I have to say. It was the first time I'd seen Lacage, so I'd obviously seen The Birdcage, which yeah. I think um, probably is the first introduction most people have. So the have. Robin Williams the Robin and Williams, Nathan Lane film. Yeah. So, so I knew what it was about, but I think the thing that I liked was obviously the localization, and, and we can come to this again. Um, they've done it, I think, a lot better in this second staging. It's a lot yeah. more organic, but, you know, they've localized it, so the whole thing is set in Tanjong Pagar. Ivan Heng, who plays the central character Alban is the star of the cabaret, um, and he's also Paranakan, so he brings that whole fussy Paranakan matriarch, you know, <laughs> thing, which obviously... It's Emily of Emerald Hill Emerald, again, basically. Yeah, Emily of Emerald Hill, you know, he draws upon his strengths and, you know, he delivers the goods. So it was a great experience. And I think we should also mention that, you know, Lacage is a play very much about the experience of the cabaret, the singing, the dancing, the the costumes and, you know, the choreography uh, work that has gone in was just really, really good. I mean, it was extremely good in the original and I think it's gotten even better now. I think it's definitely got better. I mean, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, that's good. You know, that's good. But it kind of came across as an unusually and extremely good amateur production. The quality of the sets was fine, but not quite there. The costumes were out of this world. 
Yes. But then some of the choreography, it didn't quite pull together. As you say, the localization is much better now. Last time, you forgave it because you always think, how are you going to localize a play like this? But this time around, they've clearly got permission from the writers, Harvey Feierstein and uh, Jerry Herman, to make some serious changes to the script there. And absolutely all of them were great. So whereas before it didn't feel local, it felt obviously and and kind of nudge nudge wink wink localized this time it really felt very like very organically uh, done so i think that was it contributed to that polished professional production i think matt you you mentioned one point about the set design if there was one thing i felt about the original i was not blown away by the set um, the, first time the original around, no. one and i mean i think obviously they did a decent enough job with the the main cabaret thing but when it came to the sort of smaller scenes it just looked very they look cheap, right? Yeah, it's yeah. just not what you expect of Wild Rise. So that was a bit yeah. strange. I mean, now they've got a different set designer. So they they've got Yusian Chia, who's obviously a tremendously yeah, he's done um, some great work. talented designer. He's worked with a lot of different companies. Yeah, he's done some very good work with Pangdemonium. Yeah, too. and won a lot of um, notice and awards and everything. So yeah. I liked his sets. I mean, obviously you've got the grandeur of the stage and you, you get the sort of sense of the backstage as well. But I liked the way he did the Tanjong Paga uh, scenes. You know, you've yeah. got the little shop houses and little then there was shop. the coffee shop and the skyline. So I think it was that sort of thing that really brought home the sense that, you know, this is a story taking place right amidst us. Yeah, I mean, I was also taken by Ivan's performance. Now, the meat and bones, the acting of it, he's always been able to play that character. But his singing was much better. Yes, it Really, was. really worked on that. It's quite a known fact. I mean, Ivan is obviously not a classically trained singer. So, I mean, you know, compared to some of the other talents, I think one thing, you know, even to someone who's not familiar with musicals, you can tell that he doesn't quite match up to some of the singing abilities of the other cast members. And, you know, you can particularly sense that in, you know, the scenes where he sort of goes solo. Um, I remember I Am What I Am in the original production, and it was kind of a little fragile, a little crackly around the edges. But now it was confident, um, polished even. So yeah, that definitely has been an improvement there. Yeah, and yet the fragility is still there for him when he wants to use it. Exactly. In the 2012 production, he speaks sang a lot. Yeah. And you can with Lacage. Nobody's going to Lacage for the amazing singing. It's not Phantom or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It's not one of your wicked. But it was really a, a nice cherry on the top to hear how hard he'd worked on his voice. So there's a new roundness to it. He's better able to sustain the notes. He's better able to control his vibrato. He's clearly worked very, very hard, as has his vocal coach, Mr. Heng's vocal coach, John Lee. So good job, John Lee. Very nice work there. Yeah. I was actually very impressed by the Kajels. I mean, now they were oh, yeah. they were actually very good to begin with, but I think this time around they really blew everyone away. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure there has been changes to the choreography. Yeah, it was um, darker and more varied this time around. It seemed. Yeah, there was a bit of everything really. You had like your tap dancing, you had your you know acrobatics, gymnastic routines. Um, Some heavy influence by Fosse in there. Yeah, randomly yeah. And, thrown. And obviously, you know, together with the fantastic costume work of Frederick Lee. I didn't oh, think yeah. he could actually outdo himself, but I think he may really have did. just done. You have literally um, a parade of probably some of the most exquisite costumes you will see on a Singapore stage. Yeah. And 
You know, I wasn't going to see Blackage because I just assumed that they were going to do the same again. Yeah. I mean, this is the company that's about to do Boeing Boeing for the 900th time. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, I'm with you there because I think the thing about Wild Rice is they have done a lot of their shows a few times. I wasn't sure I wanted to see Lacage again because I thought the 2012 production was strong enough and I got yeah. a sense of it. Why would you revisit it except to make money? Exactly, yeah. But I think that there is a lot to be said. I mean, I think a lot of people have talked about how it's more topical. Yeah. You know, we live in a crueler world yes. where, where you know, it's important to stand up for your own ideals. And, you know, there is a core message to the play which perhaps resonates a little bit more in 2017 than it did in 2012. So, I mean, yeah. And I think, as you said, overall, it is a tremendously polished production. If I had not watched a Singapore musical before, I would walk away from Lacage feeling very impressed. Yeah, it is absolutely up in a standard with the West End and Broadway. Yeah. I preferred it to the, uh, the New York production. I specifically preferred... Ivan Heng to Douglas Hodge, who I believe won the Tony for it. Gotta say that in both the 2012 Wild Rice production and the 2017, I preferred Kelsey Grammer in New York to either of the people who've played that role, Tony Yusuf and Sean Garzi. Not that they did a bad job by any means, but I didn't feel that either of them really stood up to some of the other standouts in the cast, like Ivan Heng. Like Xiong Hui Shen the first time round, like Hosen Leong, Leong yeah. in the role of the maid. Um, what were your thoughts on that? I think overall the cast is very accomplished. Um, one thing I felt when I watched this production was that there were bits that felt too rehearsed, too polished. I don't know whether you felt that way, but it was just a case of maybe they've had five years now. They've got it down pat and... What I wanted was that raw jolt of emotion. And mm. I somehow felt that at points in the original production and actually to revisit that scene, I am what I am. Yeah. It was not sung terribly well, but I remember feeling for Ivan's character a lot more in the original than I did this time round. The first time round, that really hit me. You know, he's just been told the character that he embarrasses his non-biological son. He's not going to be allowed to meet the parents of his son's fiance. He's banished from the house because of who he is. Yeah. And Ivan walked on that stage and brought himself. brought himself together through sheer force. Yeah, I was I was a little choked up at the oh, end. Oh, the first time I was. The yeah. first one. But I mean, not that I wasn't this time around, but I think it just felt a little bit more polished and maybe... It felt more intended, yeah. I think. And this time around, he came on and he's supposed to be performing a number and then he banishes the dancing girls from the stage. And at that point, the choice this time around was to rather theatrically break down and cry. Yeah. And I think that was the wrong choice there because he can't break yet. He's got to drag himself together and the show must go the show on. Must go on. And you feel that with the character because he almost breaks. He could have broken and he doesn't. So I think it just goes with, you know, because they've got this polished production, some of those scenes which kind of required that raw emotion just didn't always come through. So. That's Although just, at the end, when he broke that, down at the end, was, that was lovely. That was actually very well done. I think that was better than the original. I, I think so I too. got a little bit more emotional at the end this time, whereas in the original, it was the I am what I am that sort of got everyone kind of all choked yeah. up. 
And I think also um, Ivan had a really nice chemistry at the end there with Sean Ghazi. Yes. Who's a wonderful singer. He is a wonderful singer. And I think that sort of redeems himself just purely on the basis of his beautiful singing voice. And I think the look, it sort of channels this kind of Sinatra, you know, this kind of golden age of Hollywood. You know, he's got the beautiful white and uh, salt and pepper, um, you know, smart suit and everything so yeah so. i mean i'm not sure he needed redeeming exactly i think yeah. i think his acting was fine yeah. but it didn't have that burst of charisma that you could yeah. see in the others like darius tan or joe tan playing the yeah. mousy wife who gets drunk in the background yeah yeah but i again you know my memory may not serve me well but i do remember there was a lot more that was done with the politician's character like i don't remember the wife having quite so many interesting ticks that she had this time around you know the the closet alcoholism and then, you know, just yeah. bursting out randomly into badly pitched song and things like that. I there was a I... sense of there was a sense of a depth to the staging, wasn't there? You yes. could take your eyes from the main action and you'd see something that caught your eye, whether it was exactly. a nice bit of set, whether it was a lovely bit of costume, whether it was a little bit of subdued acting in the background. You, yeah. you, there was no danger with where to look. Really. Yeah, yeah. And even some of the supporting actors, you know, who would come on stage, you know, in all their different costumes, they're sort of doing things in the background during the coffee shop scenes where they're all in their civilian outfits and then again similarly in the restaurant they're again having fun and you know you can let your eye wander and you know there'll be something to see and I think that was nicely nicely done. Yeah really really rich and and wonderful to see production all round. Let's not exactly compare it to Tropicana. We can't compare it because it's not fair. It's not, of course, that all Western musicals are better. Some of them are absolutely dreadful. But the best of the best in New York is where the best that is in the world goes. And um, this is kind of one of those timeless classics. I think most people would put this in their top 25 musicals. Yes. I think you'd be very, very strange if you didn't. Yeah. So there's, you know, you can't compare the productions in that in that regard. Nonetheless, they are on a very similar, superficially at least, they're on a similar theme. Yeah. So tell us about Tropicana. So Tropicana, the original Singaporean musical, it's based on a nightclub in Singapore, which opened in the late 60s and went on for about 20 years. And the the musical tells the story of the businessman who opened up this musical trying to bring this big... Glitzy, opened up this, ca- this cabaret. This is cabaret, yeah, sorry. Cabaret this club. cabaret um, to bring these, these sort of big, you know, Las Vegas-style international acts to Singapore. And, you know, it had not been done at the time. And, you know, I think... Um, I can't remember if this was correct, but it was sort of sold out for months and months um, from the time it opened. And it was a huge hit. So it sort of tells you the story of this particular cabaret but what's interesting is that it doesn't dwell so much on the actual performances on stage but goes kind of behind the scenes to the people who made this cabaret possible so and even around the fringe of that the underground music scene at the time which exactly which got closed down as singapore cleaned up its act yeah so it was a a lot more socio-political in its scope in that it explored this slice of singapore which was a little boisterous which was a bit colorful and how that was kind of you know slowly getting being put in its place you know with a new efficient modernizing um, environment around it and you know how the people responded to that did you think it needed to be a musical no it did not Mm. and i think this is where 
having watched a lot of Harish's plays, obviously he's no stranger to these issues. He's done, you know, race and culture and, you know, all sorts of, you know, political, uh, political, political issues in Singapore and all that. And I felt there was a lot that, he wanted to say in the musical and which were very valid points you know the quashing of the local music industry you know the the banning of long hair and anything that's yeah. deviant and punk like and people from all walks of life coming together and just kind of making things work i mean there was a lot to be said about people just trying to make the best in that time but did it need to be done through song and dance? I wasn't sure it did. No, I I do feel that Harris was kind of fighting the form here. It, yeah. it felt to me like what he got out of the idea of musical is, wow, I get to have a cast of 11. Think of all the issues I can cover. And the unfortunate thing about musicals is they're horribly inefficient because it takes so long to sing and dance. Yeah. So... Whereas if he'd had a, a straight player with 11 actors, he might have been able to really flesh out those issues. It just kind of jumped around a bit for me, and I didn't yeah. really know why it wanted to do that and why it wasn't staying with something that had a bit more meat and whether the music and the, the scale of the dancing and the spectacle would have seemed more appropriate. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I just got the sense that you know, they wanted to give us our money's worth, mm. you know, so to speak. So, you know, there had to be the requisite appearance of the cabaret dancers, you know, for all of five minutes. You know, I don't think we needed to actually have all the song and dance. I think there was a very good story there that would have worked as a play and, you know, mm. could have been done in probably two thirds of the time. Yeah, yeah. It just wasn't a musical story. It was very intercutty. It was yeah. it was multi-threaded. That's a hard thing to make work. It can be done. I mean, sometimes yeah. done it a couple of times, but it's, yeah. a, it's a hard thing to do. It is, Especially yeah. when you don't have that central character, like, for example, Bobby and company, who is leading you through yeah. the vignettes. But there was some good stuff in there. What did you really like about that show? Um, Tropicana. I mean, I have to say that I enjoyed the performances in Tropicana, yep. some of them, and, you know, just to kind of single out a couple. I mean, I thought Ebi Shankara... Um, you know, obviously a great actor. And I think he really was very strong in his role as this talent manager for the cabaret, who obviously has a little relationship on the side with one of the showgirls. And, you know, he carried his role quite well. And had yeah, great... he had a nice way of swinging between the the like comedy and the, and, the, more, and the more serious, moments. serious um, bits to it. Um, so he was very good. There was also, I think, a very good performance by Rizman Putra. Yeah. Um, you know, again, I, I think a sort of rather overlooked actor. Um, someone who I don't tend to see in a lot of big shows. But yeah, he was actually very good as this underground musician who, yeah. who sort of, you know, quietly performs at this local bar called Starlight and is a victim of this cleanup and, you know... Decides yeah. to embrace a traditional image by the end of the musical. Yeah, what was great about that was Rizman is, has amazing talent as a live performer, but he is a huge and uncontainable presence on stage. Yep. And this show found a way to make that work yep. and also for him to show subtler parts of his range that I haven't seen from him before. And I've, yes. I've seen him a lot, so I was very impressed by that. Yeah, yeah. So there were a couple of really good performances amongst the cast. I mean, that being said, I also felt that some actors were a little underused and that's what yeah. I felt could have been done I'm going to guess you're talking about Hui Shen there. Hui Shen. So, yeah. so she, she's obviously a great 
actor. She's done some really good work. She's also a great singer and dancer. But, you know, she was basically a glorified narrator in this piece when you didn't really need to be handheld throughout the scenes. And I'm not sure whether that was just because they just had to try to have some structure order to there was one time particularly where she started talking and she i guess she was just in the corner of the light and i was looking around who is who is talking number 1 and why are they talking number 2 it was very odd for yeah, me yeah so that was a little a uh, bit of a waste i mean karen tan now she's fantastic yeah. but the role she was given she was basically this efficient secretary who kind of carries on with a younger man that is just, also kind of in love with her boss yeah, but none but of it really goes I anywhere didn't does it really feel that added very much to the story. I mean, obviously, we want to know about the man behind this whole thing and, you know, how he cares for the welfare of his staff and and all that. But, you know, the, the secretary character, the cougar element to it, I, I just thought that was a bit of window dressing. I wasn't really blown by that. At the heart of the play is supposed to be the character of Pinky, who is a profane tart-with-a-heart showgirl who ends up dying at the end. Um, and it's kind of like uh, Angel from Rent, where you're supposed exactly. to really care. And I have never cared about Angel from Rent, and I couldn't care about her either. I think when you try and build up a character, it just feels desperate, like the play is desperately needing us to love like that Like this character. emotional figure. And I know, I think there was a build-up, I think, when was it, the, the end of the first act, mm. where it's revealed that she is the character who dies in the like, fire. Like, because we didn't know, right? I, I mean, yeah, I don't know. If we were meant to kind of suddenly feel really emotional, I'm sorry, that just did not work. Yeah, I mean, I think it was mainly in the writing there. There's an extent to which, when you're writing a musical, and certainly when you're writing a large cast musical, there's a line between stereotype, archetype, and character, and it's a difficult one to tread, and a lot of these characters were on the stereotype side for me. And that's not necessarily a problem if they're supposed to be, but then we were asked to feel more. Found yeah. that a bit tricky. Yeah. So, I mean, I think as a musical, I mean, I definitely welcome it. I think it's great that we have a musical that celebrates something which I think most people from perhaps our generation would not be familiar mm. with, an institution of Singapore's past. But query if this was maybe the right artistic form to celebrate it. It could have been done in a play. The musical form may have just been a means to kind of sell it to a wider audience. You think? I don't, because I think that the people in there who who come from the musical side, I know Joel Tan's written lyrics before, obviously. Yes, yeah, for, the, for pantomimes, and yeah. Julian Wong as a composer has done lots of things very, very well. And, yeah. and these people, I think, I think it's fair to say, bleed musicals. Yeah. And I thought that their contributions worked as well as something can work when you're trying to fit essentially a square yeah. peg into a round hole. Yeah. In fact, the glaring thing when you look at the list of creatives is actually Harish himself, who I think has not done a musical before. Yeah. So so it was interesting. I mean, he obviously brings in like, you know, interesting issues that expand um, you know, what a typical musical provides. But yeah, I think maybe there was the problem. Uh, he was someone who was used to working with the kind of play format a lot more. Yeah. I mean, people always want to go out of a musical singing a song. And I don't think you could do that here. No, I don't think so. Yeah. I would struggle to think of like a tune that I would whistle on the way home. Yeah, now to me that's not a problem. As a someone who loves musicals, I don't care about that. But what I care about is the idea of how music can pin itself onto uh, a dramatic situation and make it bigger than it had any right to yeah. be. 
And I could really see Julian and Joel trying to make that happen. And then it just not quite happening. Yeah. So when I walked out of it in five years time, I wonder, am I going to remember it was a musical? Yes, yes. Yeah. And I mean, I think especially towards the end, you know, it just seems to have this very, very strong nostalgic element. We just are made to feel for this institution. And is it just a big memory exercise? Like, are we just being forced to commemorate something? And is that the whole purpose of it, to just kind of pay homage well, to this? Well, that's the other issue, because I think a lot of people, despite the publicity, went in expecting it to be a true story, and it wasn't. They took the idea of this place, which actually existed, but then changed the story. And then the question for me is, why don't you have a more interesting story? Now, I agree with you. It has very interesting socio-political observations. You yeah. know, the idea of the subculture of the creative industries of that time. That is interestingly explored. I would really like to see the straight play version of that. Yeah. But in terms of a powerful story that drives it forward, like yeah. your traditional musical that it's pretending to be has, if you're not essentially telling the truth if it's not a true story why don't you come up with a more interesting one yeah and i think also just to go back to the publicity i think just because it was very widely publicized mm. you know as this big swinging 60s glamorous thing that you know most people would walk in expecting something along the lines of a lacage you know you expect yeah. to see the dancing and the singing and and it actually, was there. And it, it was, was there. there. It was there. But it kind of was there only in a superficial sense because it's actually this human story, which, you know, at the end of the day, query if that's what you want to watch a musical for, you know, to see the romance between the cashier and the odd job boy. It's <laughs> nice, but, you know, you don't want to see that in a big glamorous musical. So I think it's just that big show-stopping story that people would go to a musical for, which I felt maybe this particular production didn't deliver. Yeah, it's a tricky one. And it's something that Lacage actually manages so well because it does have the glitz and glamour and yet that fuses with the human relationships. Essentially, yeah. it's a simple family drama when you get yeah, down to it. Yeah, exactly. It? And, you know, there are very intimate moments where you really feel for the characters. So I think it has the highs and the lows, whereas I think this one sort of... Well, the focus somewhere. of Lacage is very clear and, and the focus of Tropicana is extremely disparate. Yes. And sure, I mean... There are musicals where that happens again, Sondheim Company, Assassins, to a certain extent, Little Night Music. That's a thing that can happen, but my God, is it difficult. There's a reason Sondheim is so respected. Yeah. It's a tricky thing to manage. Final thing for me, though, is the sound. Not the music or the composition or even the musicianship, but did you have a problem with the sound in Tropicana? Did you find it shrill and unpleasant and reverberant? Um, okay, to be really honest, I have never liked anything I have seen in the Capitol Theatre, the new yeah. one. Um, I just don't know what it is about the acoustics. Um, Horrible. I, I remember watching something from Shakespeare, Hamlet. It was a touring production. I think mm. it was Shakespeare's Globe. And I just remember it was such an odd choice of venue because it was absolutely dwarfed by the venue scale and you know you could barely hear what's going on on stage and I mean here it was okay but you know the the acoustics don't even come close to anything you have in the drama center or the oh, esplanade no. or or Victoria um so yeah I think there were bits that just felt over the top you know extremely loud and yeah it just didn't really harmonize as well as I think it no it has such 
awful acoustics and to compensate the sound designer i'm afraid i can't find who that was on the on the website had clearly turned up the upper mids of all the mics so you get this constant shrill pinpricks into your ears when they start singing and then this muddy reverberant wash of the music and you try and listen past that you know like, well this is actually you know this is this is well written these are good lyrics nice melodies really really nice arrangements please make it stop it sounds horrible yeah yeah and i think because of that I somehow couldn't catch the lyrics all too well. I was really having to concentrate. Obviously, you know, it's a new musical, so nobody would be familiar with the songs, mm. but what you want to do is try to follow them. And, to and be the fair, sound designer, to be fair, if you need people to hear yeah. the lyrics, that is the part of the sound you make louder, that shrill bit, because that's yeah. where you that's yeah, where you yeah. hear and, the enunciation. Some, some, there were some interesting songs, it, it has to be said. I mean, I think the one which everyone uh, mentions is um, I Swear by Ganja. Yeah, uh, you know, good. which is an entire <laughs> song which extols the virtues of marijuana. So, you know, that, that, well that, was, that, was, uh, that was an interesting thing, which um, I'm not sure they would have allowed in Singapore a couple of years ago. But yeah, again, the lyrics somehow get drowned out. So Yeah, despite really, issue. clearly the actors had great diction. There was and and no, they did, yeah. Just do not do musicals in that venue or possibly any theatre at all. Yeah, but two fascinating productions. We've got more things coming up. We're having a themed year, yes. aren't we? We had the education theme, yes. which was normal, those who can't teach. Detention Katong. Detention Katong. Now we've got the cabaret theme. Coming up, we've got National Service. National Service, yeah. So yeah, it's, um, it's interesting exploring these little <laughs> themes in the Singapore theatre calendar. So yeah. Probably the topic of a future podcast, possibly. We shall get you along for that. <laughs> Thank you very much, Naeem. It's been great to have you. Thank you so much.